When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm excited to be joined today by the defensive coordinator, one of the top Division Three defenses in 2021, and recently he has been promoted to be the head football coach at Buffalo State, and that's Lazarus Morgan. Coach, it's great to have you here today. Hey, Keith, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, Coach, it's been a whirlwind of events here as you took on this new job, but definitely had one of the best defenses at SUNY Cortland in 2021, and we'll talk some defense here as we get going. But before we get into all of that, let's talk a little bit about your start in coaching and what was it that made you want to become a football coach? I think I got really got interested in coaching when I met the current head football coach at Utica College, Blaze Fagiano. He had me work a, um, a summer camp, like a team camp for high school players, and I got a chance to, to coach those guys, and I kind of started getting the bug then. I've always been one to kind of help younger players out, even when I played. So when you combine getting the bug then and then the experiences that I saw from that new coaching staff at Utica College kind of piqued my interest. And I told Coach Rice that I was interested in getting started. And my first job was coaching the wide receivers part-time for him his second year when he was the head coach. I did that part-time and I worked with kids that had special needs. So I did that full-time and coached part-time. And then after that first season, I knew this is exactly what I wanted to do. So I took the next step, became an intern and a graduate assistant, and then uh, kind of the rest is history from there. And so you've spent quite a bit of time at the Division Three level. For you, what makes the Division Three level special and been a place that really you've you've been around for a while? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's any particular level. I just think it's football. And, and what's great about it is you get an athlete to want to succeed both in the classroom and the football field, you know, the reality is that the athletes at the Division Three level are not going to go on to play in the NFL. A very small percentage of athletes make it to the NFL as it is. So you're getting kids that are really want to develop as young men and football players and kind of take the lessons that they're going to learn and bring it with them in their profession, you know, in their real life post-football, you know, whether that be as a father or a husband or, you know, whatever their profession is they're looking to engage in after graduation, you know what I mean? I think the bond that, that I have with the kids that I've coached, I mean, it goes on long past what we do on the football field. You know, I've been I've been really fortunate to be around some good football teams and, and have some really good defenses. And a lot of the guys that I talk to still in my phone, we, we rarely ever talk about the games. You know, we talk about the meetings. We talk about practice. We talk about the road trips. We talk about everything else. So it's more about that bond that we're forming, and that bond is going to carry us long past the playing days. 
Coach, you have climbed the ranks uh, through the coaching profession, starting out, as you said, as a position coach. And you know, we talked about what you've done as a defensive coordinator, bringing your defense to one, one of the tops in Division Three in 2021, and now becoming a head coach. When you look at this process for you, what were some of the key lessons that you learned along the way that you feel really brought you to this point where you are today? You got to be patient. You got to be patient, and you just got to prepare like you got to prepare like it's your time, even if it's not your time. And when you get the opportunity, you got to make the most of it. You know, I remember as a as a young coach when I was a secondary coach, and I went on a couple job interviews, and I didn't get those jobs. And at the time, I, w- I was really discouraged. You know, I was thinking like, oh man, you know, I got to make it the full time. I got to get in this position. I got to get in that position, and I'm not getting there. So what am I doing wrong? And then now that I look back on it, it was just just wasn't the right fit at the time. You know. And I think sometimes people lose confidence or they get discouraged when things don't go their way. If you're doing things the right way and you trust that what you're doing is correct, like have faith in the process, trust the process. Everything will happen at the right time when it's meant to happen for you. Um, those jobs I didn't get allowed me to get a better job than all three of those jobs. And when I got that job at Alfred University, I remember never forget looking back thinking like, wow, this was the best job out of those other three jobs that I didn't get. So it just told me it just wasn't my time yet. You know, and when it was your time, you make the most of those opportunities, and I was fortunate to do that. As you step into this new role as the head coach, what's a, a key thing you learned that you feel is going to help you be successful now in leading the entire program? Just being myself. I think the kids are really, really smart today, and I think kids can un- can identify when a coach is, is not being who he really is. Um, just being myself, and, and the kids respect that. You know, my big thing is I like to reset the culture everywhere I go and get the culture exactly where I want it as a standard for our program in the past has been the standard for our defense. Um, now as a head coach would be the standard for our program, but that's my biggest thing is, it's kind of being who I am, letting my true characteristics come out and, and players tend to gravitate to me. And then letting that spread throughout our program, a lot of positive energy, and then let's reset the culture. And, and then once we get the culture where it is, the wins will follow. Looking at the culture that you're going to set here, what are the pillars that will be, the foundation of the Buffalo State Bengals football program. We're looking for young men who are going to be accountable. The best teams that I've been on the championship level teams, you know, on on the really good teams, the coaches hold the players accountable. On the championship level teams, uh, players hold each other accountable. And that's what we're going to aspire to be. Um, We need to establish a we over me culture, right? We need to have guys lose themselves in the football team. You know, if if it's just about playing time and and if that's the only positive experience that players are going to have, we're only going to have 22 families that are really happy with us, right? 11 starters on offense, 11 starters on defense. So we need to do something to create a culture where everybody is invested in the program and they want to be a Bengal. Everybody wants to be a part of it. There's no eyes in it, right? It's all about we and what we can do for each other. Once we have that established, I think we can do some really special things with that program. And this isn't your first time coming in and setting a culture. As you've said, you've done this on the defensive side at a couple stops here what do you foresee as maybe some of those challenges early on to be able to get these guys to move to holding each other accountable? Well, it, it comes over time. It's not going to happen overnight, but um, we're going to strive to make it happen as fast as possible. I think like that, you know, having a spring ball and a spring is an opportunity to teach guys and learn and get to know our players and kind of know what buttons I need to push with our players. That's going to be very, very helpful. I look at the pandemic when I was at um, – SUNY Cortland, that was probably one of the best things that happened to us as far as us 
having a whole year and a half to kind of build a defense before we took the field to play another opponent. We probably wouldn't have been as good if we had to play a game. I got hired in April. We had to play a game that fall in 2020. We probably wouldn't have been as, as good. But we took a whole year to practice, learn the defense, and then me especially get to learn my players, right, and kind of build relationships with those guys so you know exactly what buttons to press. You know, my big thing when it comes to my players is relationships and getting to know them and them getting to know me so they can trust me. Once they trust me, then I feel like I can get what we need to get out of those guys as far as them to do and execute what we need them to do on the football field. Coach, let's talk a little bit about the defense. At SUNY Cortland, you guys were the fifth-ranked overall defense in NCAA Division Three. Uh, and before we got going, you told me that if I were to watch you, I'd see some things and maybe scratch my head a little bit and say, not sure what they're doing there. That doesn't look quite right. So uh, explain to us uh, that part of it where people look at you. There's, there's definitely something unique in the way that you do things. Oh, well, because, like, for example, like, we play cover three, right? And everybody knows what cover three is, three high. Three guys deep, four guys underneath. You know you're standing at cover three. But the way we do it different is the variations, the different ways we rotate to it. So we teach that to the kids. And, and the way our guys drop in coverage and the way they fit in the run is kind of unique. Like, when we talk run fits, we never talk about gaps. We never talk about an A gap, a B gap, a C gap. We talk about, hey, you're a fast player. You're a force forward player. You're an alley player. Right, And when we tell a guy that, we could tell him his responsibility in any, in any coverage. It doesn't just have to be one specific coverage. And he knows his run fit is directly tied to his pass fit. So when we're introducing something, the first question our guys have is, hey, coach, what's my run fit? Oh, you're a fast player. Okay, strong side or weak side? Oh, I'm strong side. Okay, that means I'm strong side so you can dig in a pass. You know, because they all kind of tie together. So the way that we teach it, I believe, is slightly different than it's taught around the country. And I think our guys excel at that, and that's how we're able to be pretty successful in running what people would consider a basic base coverage. And then when we um, when we do some of our zone blitzing stuff, our steel technique stuff, when we've got guys reading the quarterback, his drops, his eyes, his shoulders, um, there are going to be wide receivers open. But if the quarterback's not looking that way, we're not really banking on covering that guy. So when you watch us sometimes, some guys look open, but if you combine the pressure with us reading the quarterback and our defenders uh, selling out on eyes and breaking on the football, we're able to make a lot of plays in the passing game when we're zone pressuring quarterbacks between sacks, deflections, and interceptions. So it, it kind of ties all together, and that's kind of why we've been fortunate to be successful the last six years. Playing that three deep, two under type of defense, obviously you are bringing a lot more pressure, but as you game plan it, what kind of things are you communicating and figuring out, you know, th this is what we want to leave alone in this, this particular, uh, you know, against this particular team, et cetera. As you said, it's going to look like guys are open at times. So how are you figuring that out from a game plan perspective? Well, when we're game planning, we're not game planning. We're not deciding who we're going to leave open. The quarterback's going to decide who we're leaving open because our guys are key in that quarterback. So everything we're doing, everything we're doing is, is predicated on the quarterback's drop his eyes, his shoulders, where he's going with the football, right? Because we're telling you that between our pressure and the way our guys are going to get after the quarterback, it's going to be hard for him to look in one direction and completely flip his hips and his shoulders to come another direction, you know? So throughout that week when we're watching film as a defense, we're talking about what type of quarterback are we playing? What are some indicators that he gives away? Is he a guy that when he's trying to push the ball down the field, he'll try to look you off? Even when they look you off, they're looking you off and moving you with their head, but their shoulders are still pointed in the direction where they're going to throw the football. 
So when we're watching the film that week, we're kind of breaking down what type of quarterback we're going to see. Who is this guy? Does he like pressure? Is he a tough guy? Is he going to sit in there and make the throw? Or is he not going to step in the throw? So if he won't step in the throw, we're expecting the ball to sail a little bit more. All these little things we're, we're kind of breaking down as we're game planning to play the quarterback. So in our scouting report, we'll always talk about, is this guy a candidate for steel technique or not? You know, if we're playing a guy who's really good and can make people miss and he's going to extend the play, we're not going to run a lot of steel technique that day because you don't want to have a scrambling quarterback and us selling out on eyes and then guys just get loose, right? If he's going to move around and be able to scramble and he makes plays down the field, now we're going to switch it up and play some more match, you know, some man-to-man so we can pass some wide receivers if the guy breaks our cage. So it's all about us, you know, it's not us saying, hey, we're going to leave this guy open, we're going to leave that guy open. You know, we'll do more stuff like base coverage-wise, some coverage things that we're going to do when we're not going to bring pressure based on how good what receivers are or where they're going to put this receiver. He's really good when they're trying to get him the football. That's more of our base stuff. But when we're bringing pressure, we're not saying, okay, we're going to leave that guy open, leave that guy open. It's all going to be predicated on where the quarterback's looking. Where he's looking and what what type of, of quarterback he is, obviously. What and the, and the depth of his drop because the depth right. of his drop is going to tie into the routes that we're seeing. Right. Well, you guys have been known really every place that you've been. There's been a lot of sacks and a lot of turnovers, and you know part of what you guys do is is the movement up front, and and it's easy to draw these things up on the board, right? There's there's all kinds of of pressures that look like. Wow, this is this is going to get them. They're going to get to the quarterback. But I, I think you know, and you value the fundamentals. You value the techniques. And in, in the best clinics I, I've sat in, they've certainly talked about different ways that they pressure a quarterback. But I think the guys who are having a ton of success with it are really keyed on in on here's how we do it technique wise. So when you look at you know your pressures from the guys up front as well as the guys you're going to be sending from level two. What are the key techniques that you're always going to focus on to make sure that you are going to get to the quarterback and produce those turnovers like you have? Yeah, I think, um, you know, how you wrap it in practice. You know, like we do tackling stations, we do turnover stations, we do pass rushing stations. So everybody on our on our team is going to learn basic pass rushing skills. So that allows us to bring pressure from anybody in our 11. You know, we can bring the corner and he knows how to work a basic speed rush, or he can club rip and flip his hips, like basic stuff. So everybody's going to learn those basic skills, right? D linemen, they're going to learn how to catch a football. So guess what? When when they're coming up as a high cage player and the quarterback turns to turns his shoulders real quick to get the ball out on the screen, he's going to learn how to get his hands up and actually catch the football, right? We had one of those this year. He fell on the floor after he caught the ball <laughs> last season, but um, but he caught it. You know what I mean? And we and we worked it and we repped it all week in practice. You know, so everybody's getting. The basic, the basic skills needed for everybody to do the skill set. You know what I mean? Then it comes down to, you know, one-on-one matchups. As much as we, we enjoy sending six, our best pressures are when we send five. And even though five is less than six, five gives us more space for our pass rushers to work their moves. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to teach them what area to get to, how to read the block in that area. And then we're going to teach them three things, right? You got your go-to move. How do you set it up? How do you counter it? Right. And then off of those, what are you going to do? Okay. I've been rushing, rushing, rushing. Now let me give them something special. We call that like your special sauce. Right. But those are the things that we're going to teach a guy and everybody's going to be different. You know, we'll introduce moves to guys and some guys might like this move better than that move. Right. But we're going to rep it and rep it and rep it. So they gain 
the confidence to do it in the game, right? It starts with the success in practice. You build on that success, and then you do it in the game. I tell guys all the time, you know, when a guy drops a pick or a guy does this wrong or he lets the quarterback outside the cage in practice, I tell them all the time, like, bad habits, right? You don't want to have those bad habits. I've never seen anybody do something in the game I haven't seen them do, do at least three, four times in practice. So when you see a guy make a spectacular play, you watch a corner jump a three-step and pick it. I'm like, oh, I've seen that three, four times in practice already. I knew he could do that. You know, if he'd never done it in practice, he's not going to do it on Saturday with all that pressure going on. It's just mm-hmm. too much going on. Mm-hmm. So you do it in practice, you, you drill it, you work it, you build the confidence, and then the confidence, then you get in the game and you do it. Like when we when we first introduced the steel technique, especially the guys who never done it, it's hard at first. It's hard to tell a kid, hey, I want you to sell out when the quarterback is doing this. I want you to sell out, pull the trigger, go make a play. Because what are they all worried about? They, they hesitate. They're worried about making a mistake or, or doing this wrong or doing that wrong. No, like, I'm telling you to sell out. I want you to do it. And then when you see them gain more confidence because it works and then they understand how the coverage and the pressure work together hand in hand, then they start to gain more confidence. And when they gain more confidence in it, they do it really, really well. The first time when I was at Alfred, when we did it back in 2015, no, I used to, as a DB guy, I used to be like, oh, this isn't going to work. I can't see this working. And then we just kept building it, building it, and building it. And in 16, we had a really good team. We were 12-1, and one, uh, made it all the way to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament, and those guys were excellent at the steel technique. 17, excellent, right? 18, we got to 18. These guys led the nation in turnovers and interceptions through 11 games. So you saw how it can build. You know what I mean? Then the challenge was when I came to a place like Cortland, they never did anything like that before. That's why I was so grateful for that extra, that extra whole fall and spring to get ready because then by the time when the season started – guys were all bought in on it. You know, guys started to realize this thing could be very successful, and they bought in on it, and, and it helped to our, our overall team success and our defense success last season. So with you bringing it up a few times, uh, I've, I've really understood that the still technique is something important to your defense. Would you walk us through the way that you teach it, the progression that you're going to get it to where it needs to be so it'll be successful in the game? So the, the the great thing about the way we teach it is the same way we teach our, our regular zone drop. So our, our drops are predicated on quarterback shoulders, right? Uh, excuse me, quarterback drop, the depth of his drop, right? So everybody's in the shotgun now. So we catch and turn now with we're identifying that as a three-step drop, as a quick drop, right? We catch, take two steps, look down the field. Now you got five-step, right? We catch and get a deeper drop. We know something funky is up. Here comes the screen. So when you categorize the drops into those three things, right, so if we're playing regular defense, right? If we're playing regular zone defense, not bringing pressure, the drop is going to tell our underneath players the depth of their drop, right? They get quick drop, they glide step, they turn and drive on something in the zone, right? They get five step, they take two glide steps because it's like their read steps, then they open up and push to their, their depth of 12 to 15 if they get a deeper drop, right? They get a screen drop, they plant, locate, and find the screen, right? So then when you tie that into the pressure, right, we're pressuring on – third and seven we're pressuring on third and eight so they'll just line up a little deeper so they're not worrying about dropping as deep and they're going to keep everything in front of them right and that's why tackling is so important right because when you throw the ball in the flat or when you dump the ball off we got to make an open field tackle if not you're going to get the first down that's where the fundamentals come in, right so we got to be really really sound in our tackling right and if the quarterback wants the ball a little longer that's great we need to be hitting them and if you want us to stay down this target, that's even better. We need to be making plays on the football. 
So when you think about when I how I just described it, it kind of ties in the way that we teach our regular zone dropping anyway. So we're not really teaching anything new. We're just getting the guys to play a lot faster because everything is happening faster. When we're bringing pressure and doing things, we want to speed up the clock on the quarterback. We want to get him to go a little faster than he anticipates. We want to make him uncomfortable, right? And when everything happens faster, we need to play faster. Coach, you've also brought up the tackling, and that's obviously an important thing for any defense. And certainly, though, uh, especially over, you know, even the last few years, there's been, you know, a lot of different parameters and um, what we're allowed to do in practice, how much we're allowed to do it. And I think we've become a lot more aware of that you don't always need to be full speed to do things. So for you, what's what are some of the ways that you adapt to some of those things that uh, we've been faced with as far as, you know, expectations on how we're going to teach tackling in the game and how much contact we're really putting on our players. Yeah, I mean, I actually like some of the limitations because, you know, sometimes in the past I thought when you would do like some tackling drills in practice and you, you got a ball carrier and you're going to hit him and he goes full goal, some guys don't like to get hit, so you're not going to get the best look you can get. You're not going to get a full-speed, realistic look. So the fact that we don't hit all the time, I think, allows us to get a realistic look sometimes when we're using actual ball carriers. And then it allows us to really focus on the important things, the fundamentals, right? Like we talk about come to balance. You never hear us talk about breaking down in the open field. I always tell people when a, when a car breaks down, it doesn't move, right? Your feet need to always be moving. So we're talking about come to balance, right? We like to teach a, a near foot gather. We like to teach a power step. We like to teach kids how to rotate the power from their hips and, and thrust it through a man. Those are all things that you don't need to do full speed. You know what I mean? We have a crash mat. We utilize it when we're doing our tackling stations. So, like, the fact that we're not doing things full speed allows us to really, really focus on the fundamentals, like those little things, right? Leverage tackling, right? If we're going to be a zone team that needs to run variations of cover three, I need to know as a fast player what step or what foot I'm going to have forward when I'm when I'm making a tackle, right, based on the half of the ball carrier that I'm attacking because I don't want to end up on the wrong half because then I'll end up on the same side as the force play. And guess what? Now we got two guys over there. That's not going to be a good leverage tackle with both guys on, on the same shoulder, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that we don't go live all the time really allows us to work on those fundamentals. You know, in practice, when we got different tempos in practice, right, you have live, you have thud, and you have buzz. I love thud and buzz tempo because thud tempo makes us really, really work on our fundamentals as defense. We got to get to the football. We got to hit. We got to wrap up. We got to run off beat. Let go of the ball carry. Right? You're not diving. I tell guys all the time, if you got to dive, you're not in position to make the tackle. You're probably not going to make the tackle. Right? Now, there's certain tackles when you teach guys how to dive and how to shoot through that through that thigh board. Um, when they're going up against a bigger back, because, you know, sometimes they just can't all form tackle somebody that's bigger than them, right? You teach those in, in those opportunities when you have those in some of the live settings. You can teach those and work on those. But thud, love thud. Buzz, love buzz, because buzz makes you what? Sink your hips, shoot your arms, right? And shooting your arms is going to help you do what? Transfer your hips forward through somebody, right? You ever look at how when a ball carrier and a tackler go meet, right? How do you know who's going to win that battle? Just look at their hips. Mm-hmm. Right, whoever can get their hips through the other man first, that's who's going to win that battle. Well, buzz tempo promotes getting your hips through the tackle. Right, you're going to shimmy shoot, shoot right through the ball carrier, not touch him, go full speed, shimmy shoot right off the hip, and everybody can get to the ball. Right, so I kind of like those aspects of practice because I think they promote better fundamentals. 
Now, at the end of the day, tackling is a mentality, and there's going to be guys that can do it and guys that can't do it, no matter how much you rep it. Yes. Right? But if you got a guy that wants to hit and you rep with the proper technique, he can go from average to really, really good. Average to really, really good if he just has proper technique and understands the leverage tackling within our defense. What's my hip of the ball carrier I need to own? Where is my help? You know, I used to, when I first started getting in tackling, you know, I didn't realize, like, there is such thing as a good missed tackle. If you miss a tackle on the proper leverage and make the ball carrier cut back to one of your teammates who's pursuing to the ball and he's got the proper leverage, that's a good missed tackle. You know, those are things that I didn't think about four or five years ago. You know what I mean? So I do think the fact that we don't go live, we don't go full goal all the time, has kind of helped, believe it or not, improve tackling, at least from a fundamental standpoint, especially with the whole keeping your head up and things like that, getting your head out of it. Right? I think the targeting and things like that have challenged defenses, but the way I see officials calling things, if you do it the right way, shoot your arms, keep your head up, and wrap, you can hit a guy as hard as possible and not be thrown out of the football game. Yeah, you, you make some great points there. And number one, you, you talked about the specifics and how you're teaching thud and how you're teaching buzz. And uh, I believe 100%, like all those periods, they probably take a little bit more attention to coaching the details of it. Because I've seen buzz and thud done very poorly at a, at a number of levels, right? You can watch, pull up someone's practice film and you're like, boy, not coaching those things up. So that's an important point. And then I really love what you said about uh, a productive missed tackle that, as you said, if you keep the leverage and it's a miss and, and you force that ball carrier in a direction you wanted him to go, it's still a good play and it's still productive for you. Coach, moving things off the field and we've talked about the process you've been through, the progression you've been to to get to the point you are. And certainly there's probably things you would love to share with a young guy who's getting into this game. What advice do you have about how to really achieve some of your individual professional goals as you're going through this profession? You know, I always start off with the first thing is, is being yourself. I always tell people all the time, like kids are so smart these days, they can they can tell when the coach isn't being authentic. Like, be who you are. You know, be who you are and be true to it. Always be that guy. Don't be that guy that was, you know, this way, one way when you're at this level, and then you get to this level and you're a completely different person, completely 180, right? Be the same guy. Be consistent. The next thing is get into it for the right reasons. You know, if if you're trying to make a lot of money, coaching is probably not the thing for you. You know, if, if that's what you want to do. If you want to make a lot of money, coaching is not for you. If you do – trust the process and stay the course, um, eventually you can get to a situation where you're financially stable. But if you're getting into coaching for the money, that's probably the wrong thing, right? You need to be getting in there because relationships, you like to build them. You like to be around people. You like to teach, right? You like to see these guys develop from young men into grown men, right? When you're coaching, you want to coach these guys, not just on the football field, but you need to coach these guys for things they need to do once they leave the field. All right, I talk about all the time about my relationships with players. There were a lot of players in, in my phone who still text me who I'm still in contact with now. We rarely ever talk about the games. We rarely ever talk about practices. Right? We talk about road trips. We talk about meetings. We talk about times we were all in my office just um, shooting it together, you know, just talking, having a good time, or remember when this happened. Right? That, that's what it's all about. The last thing is never lose sight of the fundamentals. You know, a lot of guys will, will read things and, and see some things at clinics and, and draw it up on the board, and it looks great and all. 
but don't forget about the fundamentals, right? The schemes are great, but it's all going to come down to blocking and tackling, execution, right? You can draw it up as great as you want, right? If your receiver can't catch the ball or doesn't catch the ball consistently, that, that's on you. That's the fundamentals. If the tackle can't make the block, that's on you. If our if our linebacker can't make the tackle, that's on us, right? So don't lose sight of the fundamentals when you're caught up in all the schemes, right? It's not about being the smartest guy in the room. It's about getting the most out of your players. You get the the guy that can get the most out of the players and get the team to play together. That's the coach that's going to be pretty successful. Coach, I know you have a clinic coming up here at the end of the week at the New York State High School Football Coaches Association Clinic at Turning Stone. What is it you're going to be talking about at that clinic? We're going to be talking about some um, coverage variations when you're bringing pressure. So we're going to talk about a little bit all. Like today, we, we kind of talked about some of the two under three deep. We'll talk about some three under three deep, some four under two deep, some sticks coverage, some picket fence. I'll even sprinkle in some man-to-man in there. So we're going to talk about some different things you can do to kind of give the quarterback some headaches when you're bringing pressure. You know, it allows you to bring similar pressures but switch up the coverages behind them you know, and kind of get the quarterback to, to choke the football. Choke the football, you should probably get more sacks or, or big hits on the quarterback. Coaches, I'll put the link to that clinic in the show notes. That is part of the State Association mega ticket. Uh, we just had one this past weekend at Alabama where we had Nick Saban, Mark Stoops, Mike Leach, Brent Pry, uh, Brian Harrison. So uh, a lot of great coaches on this ticket, all the state associations uh, really have teamed up to bring you every single clinic for one price, and this is one of them. And I'm definitely excited, Coach, to see uh, your presentation there as well. So, Coach, final thing, you know, when you look at all the things you do as a, a coach, what's the one thing you'd say that really gives your players the winning edge? The one thing I think that gives the players I've been fortunate to coach the winning edge is, is when you kind of set the culture, when you get those guys to play for the guy next to them. You know, I think that's when you got something special. You know, I've been a, a part of defenses who might not be as talented individually if you went player for player as some other defenses I've coached, but statistically they were the best. And why is that? Because those guys lost themselves in the defense. They lost themselves in the culture. It was definitely a we over me mentality, and those guys played for the guy next to them, right? Once you, you know, I always talk about when you become a parent, right? You're, you're living your life, you're living your life, you're doing your own thing. Once you become a parent and you're responsible for another human being, it just switches the gear. Now you're a lot more responsible. Now you're a lot more aware. Now you're a lot more focused on things that you do. So when you get your players to play for the guy next to them, then they're, they're not playing for themselves. Now it's something special. And, and, and together, together, there is no limit, right? And that is, you know, when you talk about who's the better team, you see it all the time on football, right? That team was more talented, but guess what? That team was closer. That team played together as a team. That's why they won that game. That's why they were more successful. So I think that's probably like the biggest thing that I've been fortunate to establish to kind of help with some of the success that we've had on defense is getting these guys to play for each other, right? I tell guys all the time, don't play with each other, play for each other. You know, and those guys do that, and it seems to be working. Coach, what's the best way for coaches out there to connect with you? Uh, social media right now, you know, I've got the Twitter set up. That's pretty good. My email is about to be set up as soon as I um, get established on Buffalo State campus. My email will be set up, so email me and Twitter. That's probably the best way to get in contact with me. And, and I'm very, you know, I love to talk ball with anybody, so I give up my cell number and stuff like that. And, and I can learn from anybody. It doesn't matter what level of coaching 
you've coached that. I'm like a little sponge when we start talking football. I'm writing notes no matter who's talking. And if I can take one little thing from you, I take it. You know, coaching is all about learning. I don't think there's a coach out there that hasn't learned from another coach. We don't invent things. We just recycle things. And I'll put Coach's links in the show notes so you can uh, be able to connect with him. Coach, I am really excited for you and what you're doing here as you take over the Buffalo State program. So best of luck to you and the Bengals in 2022. Thank you, Keith. I really appreciate you having me on today. And uh, go Bengals. You're the Bengals. <laughs>